You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. morning as you saw on our announcements thank you so much Andy <laughs> as you saw on our announcements next week Pastor Edgar Gomez will be here from Guadalajara Mexico and thank God because about a month ago him and his wife had COVID but they're all purely healthy now natural immunity they're doing great okay so it's all good they're gonna be here with us I'm not gonna be here um, actually my wife and I are gonna go to Radiant in Luggington and we're going to suffer for the Lord there, and uh, we're going to be preaching there, and we're so excited to be there. But make sure, if you are in town, I know it's a big holiday weekend, but if you are in town, please be here. Show some love for Pastor Edgar. I did tell him, I said, Pastor, there might be 10 people here. And he was like, I don't care. I'm so excited to be with you guys. I'm like, all right. So it's going to be an amazing Sunday morning. Well, listen, today we are in part number two of our series entitled what? Kingdom Manifesto. Kingdom Manifesto, what is this all about? This is about the Beatitudes of Jesus. And this is the first part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And this is found in Matthew chapter 5. These are those statements, those, those, those proclamations of blessing, right? Blessed are this, blessed are these. We are, we're all familiar with these blessings. But many times, we don't understand what they really mean. And to be honest, these Proclamations of blessing are counter-culture and counter-intuitive. In other words, these blessings are the opposite of what the world would deem as blessings, right? And like I said before, remember, these are a package deal. These are eight character traits that identify true or devoted followers of Jesus. It's not an a la carte menu, right? You don't get to just choose a few of them. It's all of them. Jesus says, I want you to embody all eight of these character traits. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to read the beginning here um, of, chapter, or of Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to go right up to the point of today's beatitude, which is verse number 5. I'll pray for us. And then we'll dive right in. So Matthew chapter 5, if you have a smartphone with you, you can follow along. If not, we have the words behind us. Verse number 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That was week number 1 we did. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This was week number 2. We talked about this last week. And today, verse number 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let's take a few moments. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. And um, God, we, we thank you so much for your word it's alive, it's active. Um, you yourself has, have, has said that we, we need more than just bread to live on. We need every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Holy Spirit, we give you permission to move in our hearts this morning. Unlock deaf ears. Soften hard hearts, God. 
and open our eyes to truth. We need it so much right now, God. We need truth in the midst of a culture full of so many pervasive lies. May the truth be embedded into our hearts by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The famous rapper and now Christian, Kanye West, once said that he was his favorite rapper. He also said this, he says, my greatest pain in life is that I will never be able to see myself perform live. Humble anyone? What about this one? Kim Kardashian, she published a book, and in this book contained only her own selfies. I don't know if I could pull that off, but I'm just saying, right? Will Smith, if you don't know Will Smith, you think of a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or Men in Black, I, I will save you from me singing that chorus, but. Will Smith once said that he called himself the best actor in the business. Jennifer Lopez, or affectionately known as J-Lo, right? J-Lo was flying on a commercial airline one time, which, by the way, she protested because she, she only liked to fly in her private jet. But when the flight attendant came to take her order for a drink, she didn't respond. She looked towards her assistant and had her assistant respond for her. Apparently, she only likes to be around people of the same fame level. Now, what do all these people have in common? Celebrities? Yeah, that's, that's true. You got that one. Talented? Uh, it's subjective, right? I think we can make a pretty strong case for overbearing pride and arrogance. <laughs> but this is, the, this, this is what our world celebrates. I don't know if you've noticed this. These are the type of individuals that our world celebrates. Those who claim to kind of make it to the top by creating their own opportunities. I worked harder than anyone else. I hustled more than anyone else. I worked 15 hours a day. It's all about me. I'm at the top because I'm the best, because I made my way, right? This is what our world seems to celebrate. I told you before, though, that the Beatitudes celebrate something completely opposite of what the world celebrates, though. Our world says, yeah, you can publish your own book of selfies, right? And Jesus, on the other hand, in the Beatitudes, says this, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, Jesus was the perfect example of meekness. But did you know this? His disciples struggled with power, <laughs> with status, right? I mean, with prestige all the way up until his crucifixion, even though they were with Jesus all this time. So I want to talk about this word meekness or being meek for a few moments for a few moments, because this is a word that we don't use in our, in our day and age. We don't throw this word around. Hey, that guy's really meek. No, I mean, just, we don't hear that, right? So what is meekness? I want to give you a definition. It comes from the Dictionary of Bible Themes. It says this. It describes meekness as 
an attitude of humble and submissive and expectant trust in God and a loving, patient, and gentle attitude towards others. Okay, so leave that, leave that slide up there for, um, for a few more moments. Humble, submissive, expectant trust, gentle towards others, right? Patient. In fact, um, the Greek adjective used here in Matthew 5 verse 5 means gentle, humble, considerate, and courteous, along with exercising the self-control that makes all of these qualities possible. But like I said earlier, being gentle and, and being humble, those things are not celebrated in our culture, are they? They're not, right? You, you know what's celebrated in our culture? What's celebrated is, is aggressiveness. What's c- celebrated is hubris, which is overbearing pride and arrogance. What is celebrated is, look how I pushed my way to the top, knocked down everyone else along that journey. Yeah, that's right. That's what's up. That's, it's all about me. That is what the world seems to elevate and celebrate. The, the, the self-made man the self-made woman. So what exactly is happening in today's beatitude? Because it's no wonder that Jesus' words about meekness probably, this is my guess, makes little sense to most of us. Some of you are like, what is that? Meekness? What's happening here in Verse number five with this beatitude. Well, here's what I want to say about this. Jesus is inviting us um, into these taking steps to become closer to him. That's what's happening in the beatitudes. Um, Some of you were here a few weeks ago. My friend Claire Zielinski, she gave a testimony, and it was a powerful testimony. If you were not here, I interviewed her. It was powerful because she described how Jesus rescued her from a life of severe drug addiction. I mean, darkness. But I love her testimony because in her testimony, Claire describes that, um, I remember her sitting right here. She says, I remember taking these steps and I would take a little step and then every time I took a step, I'd get closer to God and become more like Jesus. I was like, I love the way she phrased that. So if you remember, she says, my first step was attending church. She's like, I came to Radiant three years ago and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like what is going on here? She's like, so I started attending Radiant Church. But I took another step. I started reading my Bible. So then she talked about how she read her Bible. She didn't always understand it, but she read it anyways. She took the next step. She says, I signed up to serve on a team. So now she was giving of her talents, of her time. She was giving of herself, becoming more like Jesus. Then she says, you know what, I'm going to start tithing. And she starts giving financially. Then she joins a community group, a small group, all right, and it just keeps going uh, on and on and on. And she's still taking steps today to becoming closer to God and more like Jesus. Every step, a little bit closer to Jesus and more like him. Well, in the Beatitudes, this is what Jesus is actually doing. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I noticed it for the first time. In the Beatitudes, Jesus is inviting us to take these steps with him. I want to show you an illustration to make this really easy for all of you. Notice the first three steps that we've seen. This Step number one was, was week number one of our series, right? Verse number three, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Those who acknowledge their spiritual poverty, those who go before God and they recognize I'm bankrupt without you. I have nothing. 
Jesus says, come on, take another step. So we take another step. He says, blessed are those who mourn. What? They mourn over their sin. Why is that important? Because when you mourn over your sin, according to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, it leads to godly sorrow, which leads to repentance. It's not being just sorry that you got caught. It's being truly sorry and changing. Or blessed are those who mourn over what? Over personal loss, a grief, which I think is probably all of us or most of us. Well, by the time we take our third step, week number three of our series, that should only leave us in a place where what? Where we're vulnerable now. We've already acknowledged our spiritual poverty. We've already cried and we've mourned over our sin. Jesus says, according to Jesus, it should leave us to a place where what? We are becoming meek. We're becoming meek. We're, we're becoming gentle. We're becoming patient. Now, we're, now there's humility. There's, there's no room for pride in our lives anymore because we've seen the work of God. We've seen our sin. We've seen what he's done. And now we're here. We're like, oh, man. I, I'm, I stand in humility before the king, right? Here I am. This idea of becoming meek. Now, I compare meekness or, or practicing meekness in the Christian life to um, getting a pair, like a, a, a new pair of glasses or um, new contacts when you thought you didn't need them. Anybody ever had that experience, right? Like you thought your vision was good until you went to the doctor. And so you're there, and all of a sudden, you're the, the, they're doing that test. Better here, better there. Better here, right? Nonstop. You know what I'm talking about here. Finally, they, they put a, a, a pair of lenses over you, right? And you're like, whoa. You're like, I didn't know that existed. What? There's color on that tree, right? And all of a sudden, you're seeing vibrant colors, and you're, you're seeing details that you never saw before. Why? Because now you can see clearly. I think this is what Jesus is doing to his disciples here just a little bit, to all of us. He's saying, come on this journey. Take step number one. Take another step. Oh, and by the way, now that you see your spiritual poverty, now that you mourned over your sin, do you see clearly now? And we're like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't have any room for pride. I don't have any room to throw my weight around. I don't have any room Right? To, to be aggressive with people in my way or the highway type of mentality. We can say it like this, that patience, humility, and gentleness open the door to God's love and power for both others and ourselves. Okay? Patience, humility, and gentleness open the door to God's love and power for both others and ourselves. Here's what I'm trying to... Say to you this morning, church, the idea is this, is that when I see my need for grace, when I clearly see my need for grace, you know what happens is I can have more grace for you. I can approach you and be gentle, despite your dumb Facebook post, okay? I can be humble. I can be patient. Why? Because I'm seeing clearly now. And what? I recognize I need grace. Broken, so I can approach in our dealings with one another as the people of God. This is the way that we're supposed to treat each other meekness, being meek in our relationship to one another. I never knew this was a part of the New Testament so much until honestly, I started really analyzing some of Paul's words 
And I discovered that meekness is, is throughout a lot of Paul's theology, except he doesn't use the word meek. Now let me show you one of these instances. It's uh, Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes this, As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you, urge you, right, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then what does he say here? He says, be completely humble and gentle. What is that? What's humble and, and, and gentleness? It's meekness. And I'm like, what? I never saw that. Are you serious? Why does Paul put those two words next to each other? Because Paul is thinking of, I think he's thinking of the Beatitudes. I think he's thinking of Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And he's like, I'm thinking of who embodies this perfectly. Jesus does. So he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Another part of meekness. Bearing with one another in love. I'm like, what? Right? Anybody ever seen that? GIF? Nobody? Okay. <laughs> Colossians 3.12, Paul writes this. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, that's, that's us, okay, holy, sanctified, and dearly loved, clothe yourself. Same Greek language is like putting on clothing. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness. Here it is, humility and gentleness. They're right next to each other. I thought this was a li- an arbitrary list of characteristics. As I look at this, I'm like, I don't think they're just arbitrary. I think Paul did that on purpose. I think he's thinking of Jesus here. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Once again, those are next to one another. Paul's saying, I want you to be like Jesus when it comes to your relationships with one another. One more, Philippians 4, 5, Paul says this. Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I can see the look of conviction on some of your faces right now. <laughs> Let your gentleness be evident to all, husbands and wives. Oh, yeah, I went there. Is your gentleness evident to your spouse? Or is it your anger? That's very evident. Your wrath. In our relationship to one another, is our gentleness evident? Is our is our meekness, our humility, our patience, is that evident with one another? I, I get it. But Pastor Marco, you don't know who I live with. No, I don't. But I do know what Scripture says, okay? And I'm held accountable to that same Scripture as you are. Is our gentleness being evident? Because Jesus asked us to walk in Meekness. I think that we often, I think that we often shrink away from Jesus being meek and mild, because when we think of meek and mild, I think we think of weakness. I don't want to be weak. I mean, I'm strong. However, here's the idea: Jesus described himself as meek. In fact, if you look at the Greek, and this is fascinating, Matthew 5, 5, the word for meek is the same word, the same adjective that shows up in Matthew eleven twenty nine, where Jesus says this, I am humble in heart. Isn't that amazing? Jesus was truly meek. Jesus was so humble, so gentle, so patient that When he was on the cross and they hurled insults at him, he did not hurl insults back. 
which is absolutely crazy. Here's what Peter says. Notice what Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, verse 3, the first part of this verse. It says this, when they hurled their insults at him, him being Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Can I just admit to all of you, I, I cannot grasp this. I can, can, can we just admit this? I cannot understand this text. I mean, I understand what it says, obviously. But I can't comprehend it with my heart fully of what, what it really means. How is it possible that a man on the cross, beaten, bloodied, naked, humiliated, absolutely innocent, hurled insults, and he doesn't retaliate. How is that possible? Has anyone ever thought about that? I mean, I'm serious. What kind of man can do that? That seems to me, if I can be honest, utterly impossible. I just, I don't get it. Has anyone else wrestled with that before? But this is what I noticed for the first time. The second part of Peter's verse is so powerful. He says this, instead, instead, what did he do? He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Could it be, church, that practicing meekness begins with radical trust in God? Never, ever put that together before in my life until this week. Could it be? I know some of us are like, I, can, I have a hard time with humility and, and patience and gentleness, Marco. I got you. I understand. But could it be that it begins with radical trust in God? And if you don't believe me, I hope you'll believe the words of David in Psalm 37. We'll go there in just a moment. But in Psalm 37, here's what I want you to notice. Well, first of all, the whole psalm is really good. You should read the whole psalm. Today, we're not going to read the whole psalm just to save on some time. We're going to look at the first 11 verses. And here's what I want you to notice when we read this psalm together. I want to see if you can pick up on the language that David uses. And I want you to see if you can notice that the language David uses sounds a lot like what Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 5. And guess what? This was a long time before Jesus was on the earth. But notice what David says, Psalm 37, brilliant psalm. He says this, David says, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither, like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That could be taken two ways. Number one, God will give us the desires that we have in our heart. He will give that to us if we delight in him. Or number two, God actually is the one who places the desires in us, in our hearts. Either way you take that text, it begins with delighting yourself in the Lord. Verse number five, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he would do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, 
Your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger. Ugh, God, are you serious, Pastor Marco? I'm serious. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little similarity there. It gets better. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. Look at verse number 11. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Verse 11 sounds a lot like King Jesus. The meek will inherit the land. Verses 7, 1, 7, and 8 all tell us to what? To not fret, to not get worried, to not become angry, to not, um, to not have wrath when we see evil people succeeding in their ways. Because it only leads to evil when we get angry, when we participate in that wrath. Right? The, the psalmist tells us, delight yourself in the Lord. What do you delight yourself in? Some of you delight yourself in vacations. I do too. It's okay. We're all human. I love vacations just like you. Some of you delight yourself in um, fast food, right? You get that, that high when you bite into those fries. Some of you delight yourself in social media, and I know this because you're addicted and you're always on it. Some of you delight yourself in um, ungodly things, unfortunately. Some of you delight yourself in entertainment. Maybe it's movies or video games, whatever it is. I don't know. We all delight ourselves in something, okay? That's just, that's, that's who we are. But the question is, are you delighting yourself in the Lord, right? It's not a big deal that you delight yourself in a vacation. It's not a big deal. Some of you delight yourself in a cold one, right? You open it up. You like a cold one once in a while. And that's fine as long as you don't delight yourself in 17 cold ones, okay? We all delight ourselves in something. But here's the, here's the thing. Most of us are delighting ourselves in something way too much other than God. The scripture tells us, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. David reminds us here that there's going to come a day where the wicked are, there'll be no more. Their days are numbered. But those who trust in God, the meek, they will inherit the earth. The meek. Why? Because they have a radical trust in God. Did you know that it takes radical trust in God not to lose yourself when you feel like you should get angry? It takes trusting in God. So let me just ask you a question. I want you to think about this. Are you frustrated because it seems like everyone around you who's lying, cheating, and stealing, they're succeeding, but you, you feel like ah, you're way behind. You're way behind. What about this? Are you angry or infuriated because it seems like the world around you is going to hell in a handbasket? I get it. I get angry at that too. The scripture says, don't get angry though. David in the Psalms, Jesus in the New Testament, tell us what a devoted disciple looks like. There's no need to fret when we can what? When we can trust in it's radical trust in God. I know it's really hard for many of us to comprehend this, and I get it. I get it. It's really hard. But this is what 
This is what Jesus and David calls to. This is where meekness begins. So what can we do? Well, let's just go through those really quick. David says this. David says, trust in the Lord, right? We, we already know that. He says, do good. Paul in Galatians says, do good to all people, but especially those of the household of faith. That means what? You can do good to everyone, no matter what religion they are, what skin color they are. You should do good to all people, but especially to your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Treat your family of God better than everyone else. That's right. If you don't believe me, read Paul in Galatians. It's okay. Why? Because the scripture tells us to. Do good to all, but especially to those household, the family of faith. Commit your way to the Lord. That means putting him first, right? Delight yourself in the Lord. Again, we delight ourselves in all kinds of things. Some of those things aren't necessarily bad, but the problem is, is we delight in him way more than we delight in God. And some of us don't even delight in God. It took us all we could to get here. <laughs> You're here? Praise God for that, right? But if we're honest with ourselves, right, if we're humble, take a look at ourselves, wait patiently for the Lord. Who likes to wait? Anybody? Nobody likes to wait. If you're raising your hand, you're a liar. Stop it, okay? <laughs> and that leads me to the end of this verse. To what? Jesus says this, for they will inherit the earth. I thought that was interesting. Isn't that interesting that Jesus uses the word inherit? Why does he use that word, I thought to myself? Like, why doesn't, it, why doesn't Jesus say, uh, blessed are the meek, for they will acquire the earth? Blessed are the meek, for they will take hold of the earth. Um, blessed are the meek, because they will win the earth. Now, he uses this word inherit. So I'm like, okay, what is going on with the word inherit? So in the Old Testament, I did a little bit of research. In the Old Testament, the word inherit is, prim inherit is primarily used in dealing with legal dealings concerning property. Okay, we see this a lot with the families the tribes of Israel and of Judah. In other words, what would happen is this, is that upon death, a father would divide his inheritance with his sons. And the firstborn son was always the one to get more. Now, in the Old Testament, that was always also a plot of land. Israel, a piece of land. Because the father would die and he would give it to his son. And they would get passed down for generations and generations to generations because God said, I'm going to give you, my people, this land. It's yours, right? In the New Testament, the word inherit is a bit spiritualized, okay? It means this, God's eternal kingdom becomes the promised inheritance of all the redeemed. In other words, our heavenly father, our father who's in heaven, has left us an inheritance in and through Jesus Christ. Let me prove it to you. It's Hebrews 9, uh, verse 15. The writer of Hebrews says this. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised, here it is, promised eternal inheritance. What is that, Marco? It's the kingdom of God, it's eternal life, and the gift of salvation. Okay? Promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died, Jesus, as a ransom to set them free for the sins committed under the first covenant. In other words, Father tells us that because Jesus' death, 
Now, because of the price that he paid, now we can receive our inheritance that the Father has. Paul, I think it's Ephesians chapter 1, says that we've been given in Christ every blessing in the heavenly places. We have this inheritance. Part of it we receive right now, which is new life, but there's more to come, right? There's more to come, church, okay? So in Jesus, we have this promised eternal inheritance Eternal life, the kingdom of God, salvation. Some of it we receive right now, and, and the rest is, is to come in the age to come. We're almost done here. Jesus says this, that what we have been promised, what's been promised to us is so much greater than what we can imagine, okay? That the new earth will be inherited by the people of God. The wicked will be no more. That that day is actually going to come. This is why I want you to turn to Jesus. If you're not serious about Jesus, if you're playing with church, if you're playing with faith, stop playing around with it. There's a day that will come. And the meek will inherit the earth. The meek who are what? The gentle the patient, the kind, the humble, they will be the ones here on the new earth when God makes all things new. Those are the people who will inherit that land will be the people who had a radical trust in God, even when it seemed like everyone around them was prospering, all the wicked around them were prospering, and they had nothing. There was nothing that they had. It will be given to those who have had a steadfast trust in Jesus. Their faith will be made sight, and they will what? They will dwell in the land. Psalm 37, that's what David is saying, that we're going to dwell in the land. The meek will inherit the earth. And church, I just want to remind you this morning of your inheritance. Your inheritance. Salvation kingdom of God, eternal life, new life right now, not just in the age to come, but right now and in the age to come. And we might suffer much. I understand that. We've been given a gift, an inheritance. The Father is awaiting to give us his complete inheritance. Oh, man, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. Amen, church? a life that's devoted to a radical trust in God, can and is able to practice meekness. If you're thinking, I don't know if I could do this because I like me some anger. I like me some raging. You need, what are you delighting yourself in? Think about that. And where's your trust in God right now? I think it begins with a radical trust in God. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to close in just a moment. I want to read you a prayer. It's a written prayer. It's going to be on the screen so you can follow along. And I just want you to think about these words. I think they're profound. And I think they are entirely relevant when it comes to Jesus' beatitudes. Here's the prayer. It starts like this. I ask God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak 
that I might learn to humbly obey. I ask for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I ask for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men or among all women most richly blessed. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let's pray. God, help us to... Uh, cement these words in our hearts. I think to most of us, this seems utterly impossible apart from your spirit, God. Can you remind us this morning that meekness, humility, and patience, being gentle with one another begins with a radical trust in you. And so, God, we humbly approach you with our hands in the air saying, God, we trust you. God, we turn away from anger when we know there's every right to be angry. We turn away from wrath when we know there's every reason to be wrathful. And instead, just like Peter recorded in 1 Peter 2, we will entrust ourselves to you because you judge justly. So God, help us this morning, God, that we might embody meekness, God, that the people of God might embody meekness to one and another, God, to our own communities, to our own churches, God, and of course beyond that, that we might be a city set on a hill, a light that will not have a covering over it, a light that will shine in the darkness, God. God, Lord, would you use us by our patience, by our humility, by our gentleness, God. Help us, Lord, to be that shining light because you said it yourself, that blessed, God, we are blessed when we are meek. We are blessed when we take a posture of patience and humility. We are blessed when we are more like Jesus. We will inherit the earth. So, God, today we just do that. We we trust in you, God. And so we submit our lives to you, a radical expectancy of what you will do in our lives, what you do in our families, Lord. We trust you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. God's people said, amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for Jesus this morning.